Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. We're talking about issue one again. It is the hot topic of the summer in Ohio. There's a big development. It's Today in Ohio, the news podcast discussion from Cleveland.com and The Plain Dealer. I'm Chris Quinn. I'm here with Lisa Garvin, Layla Atassi, and Laura Johnston. People cannot get enough of this, it turns out. I've been barraged in response to a text message about it, so we got to step it up and do even more. Let's start with the news. I guess he has no choice since it is his job to make the argument. But what is the ridiculous case that Ohio Attorney General Dave Yost is making to the Ohio Supreme Court about why an August election is legal, even though state lawmakers outlawed August elections? Yes, we're talking about the underhanded, hypocritical and sinister move by Ohio's Republican lawmakers to cripple the ability of state residents to amend their constitution. Layla. Yeah, Dave Yost is arguing that even though the GOP state lawmakers did ban August special elections, they should still be allowed to set an August special election because the state constitution permits them to do it. (laughs) There's a part of the Ohio constitution that says proposed amendments from state lawmakers can be sent before voters, quote, at either a special or a general election as the General Assembly may prescribe. A group called One Person, One Vote is suing to stop the August election on the grounds that, I mean, quite plainly, lawmakers just outlawed such a thing in December. But in his filing with the Ohio Supreme Court defending against that argument, Yost writes, quote, just like the General Assembly cannot legislate away an individual's constitutional rights, it also cannot legislate away its own constitutional powers. And the the hypocrisy of this moment in Ohio political history is just astounding, really. Look, the reason that argument is bogus is because of, yes, they cannot legislate their authority to set elections. They can set restrictions on how elections are set. That's what they did. They passed a law that the governor signed. They have the power to get rid of that law if if they so choose. If, if what Dave Yost is saying is true, then what they passed was an unconstitutional law. And he never said that when right. they passed it Good and the point. governor mm-hmm. signed it. Mm-hmm. It's completely bogus argument, but he has to has to make it. The, 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 this, this is the saddest moment, really, I think I can remember in Ohio. Republicans, through gerrymandering, have amassed this great power because the Democratic leaders in the state were asleep at the switch. But it's not enough. They, they, now they want to make sure that Ohio voters cannot use the ballot box to stop them from lording themselves over the state. So they want to set it up so 40% of the people yes. can decide what the other 60% do. It's like a, it's like that line from the Bruce Springsteen song. Poor man want to be rich. Rich man want to be king. King ain't satisfied till he rules everything. That's what this is about. They are trying to take total control and leave people no recourse. Right. I feel like we can't make this public service announcement strong enough Uh, You know, for listeners who might be hearing this for the first time, if this passes in the August special election, it would mean that future state constitutional amendments would require 60 percent of the vote plus one vote to pass. Like just like Chris said, 
40% of voters will have more power than the majority. I mean, this this amendment would also impose incredibly difficult requirements on signature gathering just to get right. an issue yeah. on the ballot. Yeah. I, mean, I, th- I, I think we can't underestimate that, too, that you'd have to get all 88 counties to sign on. So like one county could hold the rest of the state hostage. And if you got a bunch of salad signatures invalidated, which they often do, then you have to start over. I mean, the whole point is like, we don't ever want change. We don't want the people to have a say. No, no, no. They want change. They only want the change that they put on <laughs> the ballot. Because this, this, there will not be another constitutional amendment. It won't happen. I don't think the abortion folks can get the signatures in every county to put it on the ballot, which they've gone through all the legal steps so far. Look, I sent out a text yesterday on the text account where we let people know what we're working on. And I said, hey, I'm hearing from a lot of people that are kind of beating us up, saying we haven't done enough on this, which is astounding to me because I feel like we've covered every turn of the screw. We've had eviscerating conversations about this thing on the podcast. Our editorial board has thrown as hard a punch as I can remember we've thrown saying it's bad, bad, bad. What I got back was more than 250 responses saying, you're right, you're right. You guys are doing a great job. Please don't stop doing a great job. But how do you get your message to the rest of the state? There are also suggestions. Like some people said, why don't you go through the amendments that have passed and show what life in Ohio would be like if we hadn't passed them because they didn't get 60%. We've mentioned those, but mm-hmm. that's a good idea. We can that do that. That is a good idea. Mm-hmm. I mean, without a doubt, this... This just guts democracy in Ohio. It undermines your power as a voter. I mean, listeners, please tell your friends and family that they need to know about this. These these villains in Columbus are counting on all of us to stay home in August and just passively let this happen. And they're also using doublespeak. They're trying to tell people, we don't want outside interests changing Ohio law. Exactly. What they're using is outside interest money to keep you from ever having a say. Right. Right. This isn't subjective. This is an attack on democracy. There's no way you can make the argument. And that's why they're using doublespeak. They don't have a good argument to do it. So they're just flat out lying. Frank LaRose is lying. Matt Huffman's lying. They're all lying. Or the ones that are being honest, they're saying we're doing this to stop the, the majority from legalizing abortion. Um, But it's bad in every respect possible. It'll make Ohio a place you really don't want to live. One of the ideas I had to do this, we talk about this a lot on the podcast. We run a transcript of this podcast every day, but maybe we should break this conversation out whenever we have it, give it a separate headline and put it out into the sphere so people can see it. I'm, I'm at wit's end. I I, we don't circulate down in Southern Ohio. There are parts of this state that aren't aware that we exist. I don't know how to get to them. And local television has abandoned every responsibility it ever had to cover news. They cover crime. They cover weather. They're not talking about this much, if at all. So I don't know how you get this message out, but people are leaning on us pretty heavy to step it up somehow. You're listening to Today in Ohio. How is Republican Jason Stevens managing to hold on to the Ohio House speakership while maintaining his war with his chief rival? while greatly disappointing his Democratic Party supporters with his support of the August election we just talked about. What is the latest salvo in this battle, Lisa? So Speaker Stevens removed his rival, Derek Marin, the Republican from Monclava Township, as vice chair of the House Ways and Means Committee, which oversees state tax policy changes. This was done via memo last Friday. And Marin actually used to chair that committee formerly, but 
now that he's been ousted as vice chair, he'll lose his $6,750 yearly stipend that all vice chairs of committees receive. Um, he responded via text. Marin texted that uh, Stevens is a weak man trying to act tough. But Stevens spokesman Aaron Mulvey says the changes are in response to the appointment of two new members who filled vacant GOP seats. We had one guy die and another guy resigned to take a new job. He also removed two Marin supporters from committees. Jenna Powell of Dark County was removed as vice chair of the Financial Institutions Committee. She was replaced with one of the new guys, Justin Pizzuli of Scioto County. And then Ron Ferguson, the vice chair of the Transportation Committee, was replaced by Dave Dobos of Columbus. And Ferguson, in a tweet, said that Stevens is a power-hungry dictator, and he noted that Stevens was centrally by the Ohio GOP. I, I I just wonder about the timing. Maybe Stevens thought that by now Marin would have gotten in line and said, "Okay, okay, you won. I'll I'll work with you." Um, but it's not. And what, what's disappointing about this, quite frankly, is that means the Democrats did have leverage with Stevens mm-hmm. to stop the ballot issue from August. Mm-hmm. They could have gone to him and said, "You know what." Supporting you has been meaningless to us. The hell with it. We'll go with Marin because why Why not? If you're not going to champion the one thing that matters to us, which is to not be sleazy with the Ohio people. They didn't do it. Yeah. They didn't use it. Go ahead. No, but Marin is the worst of the two. I mean, why would you pick? I mean, and Marin tried to pretend that he was the House Speaker anyway. Remember, he was, or he thought he was, until the vote was held and the Democrats sided with Stevens. So I think he's, you know, the worst of the two. I I don't disagree, but what's the point of supporting somebody if they're not going to back you? At least they could have tried to use the leverage to get that ballot issue put in November. Not not block it completely. Just don't violate the law by putting it in August, because clearly Marin is not getting in line with Stevens here. So that faction still exists. I, it's a it was surprising to me. I guess maybe it's not to state house watchers. I was surprised that Stevens took this very harsh move with his rival and bounced him. It also is it, how much is it costing um, Marin? Doesn't this cost him some money because he loses that position? Right, right. I said earlier that he gets $6,750 a year in a stipend as all vice chairs do. So yeah, he loses that money. Yeah, inter- it's an interesting move. And I you just wonder what's going on in the back halls of the of the house these well, days. I find, Interesting story. Yeah, I find Stevens to be a bit of a cipher. You know, I, I'm not really sure, you know, I, I I kind of admire his 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 statesmanship in some instances and others not, but you know, he's holding off a rival faction here and it sounds like it's not over yet. Yeah, I that's a good word. And man, he's he's juggling here and so far he's made it work. You're listening to Today in Ohio. In the Ohio Senate, Jerry Serino is waging his culture war on colleges. Over in the House, the culture war has moved to transgender issues. Laura, what are the House Republicans up to this week? Well, let me just point out that this bill is called House Bill 6, which is not a good sign. I feel like, you know, when you retire a number (laughs) in a sports team because they're so good, you can't ever have another one. Like, who wants another House Bill 6? Can we just, like, strike that, like, the 13th floor from a hotel? Anyway. Uh, It's called Save Women's Sports Act. This is among state Republicans' priority bills for the two-year legislative session. That's according to House Speaker Jason Stevens, who we just talked about. Basically, they want to ban transgender girls.
girls and women from playing female high school and college sports. This could be up for a vote on the House floor as early as tomorrow. Republicans in 21 states have passed similar bans. We're looking at Indiana, Kentucky, West Virginia, although West Virginia is on hold because of a court challenge. And basically they're saying it's not fair to girls to compete against I guess, students who were born biologically male. And so transgender Ohioans and their allies have flooded the state house saying this is cruel, discriminatory, not fair to them. Uh, while the proponents say this is an issue of fairness and athletics, it's a, a woman named um, Jenna, is it Powell? I have the notes here somewhere, um, who has put this forward a bunch of times and says she wants her daughters to be able to compete fairly. For the longest time, Ohio left this to the Ohio High School Sports Association to form a, a decent policy. And Mike DeWine in the past has said that he supported doing it that way. I, I don't really think this is about what's happening in the high schools because this is involves so few people. Right. It's something like not, six, six in yeah, the last it's, year. It's, I mean, it. What, so what, it, this is like the CRT debate. The Republicans think they have a hot talker. So across the country, they're banging the drum when this is a tiny, minuscule issue compared to gun violence and all right. of the other stuff that is going on around here. So it's just kind of a it, 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 it's a culture war. It's part of the let's rally our fringe base by screeching about transgender issues when they really don't affect almost anybody. Exactly. Six kids that we're talking about this past year. And the thing is, the Ohio High School Athletic Association and college athletic associations already have policies. It's not like anyone can just say, no, I'm competing, I'm signing up. They look at how long a student has undergone hormone therapy before allowing them to compete as girls and women. The one thing this bill doesn't have is that really horrendous check that like anybody could raise their hand and say, I need to check if that girl has, you know, biological fe female parts. So that's not in this bill anymore. But that was what people got really up in arms about last year. There was a really interesting testimony from a transgender woman who said that when she started taking the hormone therapy, she got weaker and weaker. And so this idea that it's a man's body competing in a women's sport is not not even factually accurate. But they're built differently. Well, they are built differently. Hormones do not change the way your body is built or the distribution of your weight. But by leaving it to the sports associations of the colleges and the high schools, they, they're using science to form yes. policies. When you put it into the, especially in the Ohio Republican lawmakers' hands, it's just about the culture war. It's it's about right, and it's yelling. another insertion into education of kids. Like we talked about the higher ed bill last week, right? It's like let me dictate exactly how all of these schools need to run. I gotta say, Mike Dewine's still saying he's against this. So, I mean, we haven't seen him push back when push comes to shove very often, but still saying he does not think this has a place in the state house legislature. You're listening to today in Ohio. All right, Layla, you get the fun one. What is Cleveland.com's very own entry into the world of advice columns, and how is this one different from what readers might be used to? All right, so the background. we This came about while we were assembling a series of posts on modern-day etiquette. We had asked members of our staff to take up etiquette-related questions and answer them in fun, entertaining and maybe useful ways <laughs> to stoke conversation and, and just have some fun. 
And Lucas DePrilli, who is our stimulus watch reporter of all things, I mean, pretty much one of our most serious beats at Cleveland.com, he wrote a number of these etiquette entries, and they were just hysterical. We were all laughing out loud in the newsroom as he turned these things in. So we asked him to take a crack at writing a prototype of an advice column. And what he turned in was, again, incredibly funny. I mean, his writing style is a little like comedian John Hodgman, Mm. who does an advice column for The New York Times, where he pretends he's a judge and rules on interpersonal conflict. I mean, like Hodgman, Lucas blends a little bit of practical advice with a whole lot of self-deprecating humor and snark. And it's just hilarious. The first one that we did... It's good advice. I mean, this is the video game when we're talking about it, Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, yeah. So we decided to launch this new humorous advice column called Ask Lucas, and it ran online for the first time yesterday. We'll be publishing one every Monday. And this first installment is a woman asking Lucas for advice on how to navigate the tension between her husband and son. Her husband, she says, is really hard on their son because he's an adult who has a steady job and is financially stable. But he drinks beer, plays video games, and avoids long-term relationships. And Lucas basically says that the problem is her husband isn't playing video games. And if he were, he could play games that do allow him to control the minutia of other characters' lives. <laughs> I'm just, it's hilarious. I know. It's so funny. I'm not doing it justice. It's it's it, just hilarious. It, and I, I expect Ask Lucas is going to develop a following. It's it's really unlike anything we've offered before. Yeah. I, I just thought you if you want to control your son's life, get 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 into the video game. There are people there you can control. Yeah. Really and let your kid leave your kid alone. It's uh, it's good stuff. We also have another one starting today. It's uh, keeping it real with Yachty. Yachty Rodriguez also wrote um, etiquette guide answers that stood out. It was much more of a kind of a down home, common sense, warm approach that that just jumped off the page. So uh, she hers will start today, and they'll both be running in print, Laura, on Sundays. I think. Yes, Laura? We're going to put them on um, a special like life page uh, in the Plain Dealer on Sunday. So yeah, you'll be able to see those all together um, and, and submit your own questions. If yes. you have questions, you can ask Yachty and Lucas what they think. And I promise, I, Lucas's will probably be hilarious and Yachty will tell it to you straight because she is just like, you know, when you talk to Yachty, you're like, okay, you're, she's going to really tell you what you think. And I have to say, I was at the... the um, Cleveland Food Bank uh, benefit and she was there and I accidentally cut her in line with a friend. I had no idea she was in line. Actually, I was following my friend and she was like, wait till I write, you know, like what happens when you stay in line? I was like, oh my God, I'm going to be mortified uh, when she calls me out in an advice column. So watch it. Uh, but yes, she, it, it, it's not like mean. She's very smart about it. Yeah. So, no, it's um, warm. Yachty's great. I think yeah, we no, should have warm. every once in a while, Lucas and Yachty respond to the same questions and have them like <laughs> side by side. That would be hilarious. Yeah, maybe, maybe we'll do that. Let's see if they get some legs. Our, our readers love the advice columns, Ask Annie, Dear Abby, all that stuff. Um, but we figured we'd have some homegrown ones. You're listening to Today in Ohio. Let's get back to the rich man wannabe king line. The field is not yet set with more people expected to enter, but J.D. Vance has made his pick for the Republican to challenge Democrat Sherrod Brown's reelection effort for the U.S. Senate. Lisa, is this a surprise? Yes, it is. This is an extremely early endorsement, and we don't even know the entire field. There are people waiting in the wings to, you know, try and 
try for the Senate seat. So Senator J.D. Vance has endorsed, endorsed Cleveland businessman Bernie Moreno in the race to replace Democrat Sherrod Brown in 2024. Um, the only other candidate so far is Matt Dolan, the state senator from Chagrin Falls, and he would have been the better choice, I would think, between the two. But, you know, and we're expecting announcements pretty soon by Secretary of State Frank LaRose and uh, Representative Warren Davidson. But Vance, I think, is hoping that the early endorsement prevents a repeat of the 2022 race that he won against five other candidates. It was bitter. Millions and millions of dollars were spent. And Moreno was in that race, but he dropped out before the primary even occurred. So in his statement, Vance says that Moreno is committed to securing the southern border, getting tough on China, and fighting woke corporations waging war on our conservative values. Yeah, I mean, Bernie Moreno was a joke in the last one. If, if anybody watched his ads, they were worse than car dealer ads. I mean, I think he had better car dealer ads when he was dealing cars. And then he went down to Florida, met with Donald Trump, dropped out, and everybody believed that he had made a deal with Trump, that I'll drop out of this one and you endorse me for the next one. The fact that Vance is endorsing him probably indicates that Trump will be endorsing him. Not sure how valuable that'll be by this time next year with all the troubles Trump has, but um, I I just don't know how much traction Bernie Moreno is going to get across the state with these other prominent names you mentioned. Right. And uh, why Matt why, Dolan. Right. And why would right. and, and Matt Dolan, of course, we see him as as a relative moderate, you know, and Moreno's kind of out there on the fringe. I mean, I think the only wor- worse endorsement JD Vance could have made would have been, of course he's not in the race that we know of, is a, what's his name? Uh Josh Mandel. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But if Davidson gets in, uh, you know, I look Frank LaRose has become Darth Vader and trying to destroy democracy in Ohio. Uh, but who knows? Maybe that plays in Ohio today. Uh, it is. I think you're right. It is surprising that he would do it so early. And let's face it. There's nobody that's not going to enter this race because J.D. Vance endorsed Bernie Moreno. <laughs> you're listening to Today in Ohio. We're on the eve of summer when people want to be down by the river, but getting there is a challenge this year if the portal is through the flats. Laura, what's the holdup? Well, the Center Street Bridge will not reopen until late summer. I mean, that's the estimate now. It's May. So we get to late summer, we'll ask again. It was supposed to be done in November. Uh, but they've had a lot of trouble getting parts and everything they needed to fix this bridge that is built in 1901. It swings completely to one side. That makes counterbalancing it really crucial during construction. And then the Columbus Road Bridge is also closed for repairs. So really difficult to get in and out of the flats, back and forth between the east side and the west side, and really hurting those businesses. And I was thinking of all the reasons you go down to the flats in the summer, you go to Nautica for concerts, you go, you know, to shooters to sit on the patio, you might want to ride your bike because that bike path goes right through there. There's volleyball courts outside, you can take the new bridge over to Whiskey Island, that is all going to be hampered because it is like impossible to, to get across the river at this point. What surprised me in reading the story was the because these are such old bridges, they're much harder to repair. The swing bridge is a nightmare to repair, as you said. 
in with the Columbus Road Bridge, they're having to fabricate special electronic parts. And you start to wonder, why not replace them with modern bridges that are easy to repair and maintain, design them to look like the old bridges because Clevelanders love their bridges. But it seems like since I've lived in Cleveland 27 years, the number of times the flats have been cut off because of bridge problems is too numerous to count. Because they're old bridges, why not get new ones at this point? I just don't get how you can keep crippling the businesses. I don't know how the Flatiron has stayed in business all these years with the way it's cut off. They said in the story they're basically an island. The Music Box Supper Club had a had a, a Sunday morning uh, event, and the workers couldn't get there because the one way in was closed by the marathon, and all the other bridges were closed. What do you do if you're in business and no one can get to you? I, I guess you have, a, I mean, you can tell your customers take extra time and you need to go around by this way or whatever. But yeah, I mean, it, it puts them in a very difficult spot. I, I hope the Columbus Road Bridge is fixed soon. I mean, all the rowers that go down to Cleveland Rowing uh, um, Cleveland Rowing uh, for the summer for their Learn to Row series and then the Foundry is super active. I mean, those are right there next to Columbus Road. So I do. Yeah, this would be a problem. I do want to point out, though, if you're on the east side, you just take St. Clair and you can get to all of those things. True, true. Um, it's just going back and forth. And, and if you're on the west side, you can get down to, you know, you can take the shoreway and right. you can get down to that one side. But if you're going, if you're going between east and west, that's yes. where, I mean, obviously, that's why you need a bridge, mm -hmm. right? That's the conundrum. Okay, you're listening to Today in Ohio. Layla, what's the early word on bookings for Cleveland's first international flight in five years to Dublin? Well, a handful of our local dignitaries were on that inaugural Aer Lingus flight to Dublin on Friday. Mayor Justin Bibb, County Executive Chris Ronane, and others in government and the, the business community. Are, I think they're still there. Maybe they're on their way home. But word is that early summer flights on Aer Lingus are already more than 90% booked. Everyone is expecting this route to last longer than past attempts at nonstop air service to European destinations, which in some cases didn't even last a year. And one reason is because the 184-seat Airbus plane on the route is a smaller, more efficient aircraft that's better suited to flying between Europe and mid-sized U.S. cities. And also, before committing to this route, Aer Lingus negotiated a substantial minimum revenue guarantee with local business and government leaders here, which mitigates some of the risk of this new flight. That revenue guarantee is worth nearly $12 million over three years, and it basically ensures that Aer Lingus will collect a certain amount of income from the flight, whether or not it sells the seats. So for at least three years, we'll have service to Dublin available here in Cleveland. Yeah, the, the two previous flights did get killed by uh, circumstances beyond their control. I did hear from uh, readers complaining that the elected officials had taken the flight. They were calling it a junket. But hmm. this has happened with every international flight. They, they've all gone over because this is seen as economic development. They want to show their support to the airline and to try and recruit people to, to take it. I I didn't quite see what the outrage was. I think one of the television stations did a gotcha story on it and got people riled up. But 
kind of makes sense that they would support it. I bet GCP was asking as many of these folks to go as possible to show Aer Lingus the city's commitment to this airline. Yeah, and media was on board too. So media coverage of that inaugural flight is important. I mean, it's all marketing. I mean, the trick here for sustainability is, I think, going to be persuading Irish travelers to come to the U.S. I mean, at the moment, about 80% of tickets sold on this new flight are for travelers coming from from here. So Destination Cleveland is really working on that. They sent their vice president of communications last to spend a whole week last week in Ireland meeting with tour operators and media to, to boost awareness of Northeast Ohio. And I think this inaugural flight is part of that. So they got to get that train between Tower City and the National Park then. <laughs> You're listening to Today in Ohio. <laughs> Which Ohio City has the biggest growth in the recent U.S. Census estimate? Lisa, we talked about how Cleveland dropped again. This is a little bit of a surprise, or maybe not. Yeah, this is census data from July 2021 to July 2022. Number one, with the biggest increase by far, was Kent. They increased their population by 9.6%. That's about 2,000 people, just so you can see the perspective. But it's still about 1,000 short of their pre-pandemic population. Number two, and distant number two, is Grandview Heights at 4.6%, Bowling Green at 3.8%. And then as you go down the list, there's Pickerington, Delaware, Marysville, Worcester at 1.8% at number seven, North Ridgeville at one8 at number eight. And then number 10 was New Albany at 1.6, and we know that's where Intel is going in, so I expect those numbers to jump. Some of the losers, uh, a lot of east side suburbs uh, and west side, Brook Park, Fairview Park, Lyndhurst, and Warrensville Heights lost 1.1% of their population. East Cleveland, 1.2%. I think the biggest loser, it looks like from my perusing list, was Steubenville. They lost 1.6% of their population. Well, next time around, it'll be East Palestine. Is Kent, do we suspect it's just the return of students after being at home during the pandemic? I, the article didn't speculate that, but that would be my guess. That's a huge jump for a small town. Yeah, just and they haven't had like a big increase in housing, so I suspect that's what it is. Okay, you're listening to Today in Ohio. Laura, let's wrap it up with ice cream. What is a pop tail, and why can't you give this ice cream to your children? This is such a fun story and such a fun idea for a business. So uh, a pop deal is like a popsicle cocktail. So how clever or get this pun. It's not an ice cream parlor. It's a barler. Um, and it's, oh, it's boy. alcoholic treats. <laughs> You're not going to get wasted on these. Don't worry. There's really not enough in there, but it is just for adults. They are kept separate from the kids ones. And actually I was at a lacrosse tournament all day on Sunday. All I wanted by the end was a boozy milkshake. And I sent this <laughs> story to my pop culture about pop culture to my mom friends. And we decided they should have a pop-up shop at these tournaments because that is what you need when you're watching kids sports in the sun all day long. And actually, so this is a shop in Solon, but there's, they go all over. They're going to be at Blossom Time in Chagrin Falls the senior PGA tournament at Firestone Country Club. They're going to be at art shows in Lakewood and Chagrin Falls. Tons of local events. So even if you don't make it to the pop culture shop, you may see these popping up around town. Um, she uses coconut milk, fruit juices, and more. Everything is fresh without artificial coloring or flavoring. So it's actually vegan. So yeah, real spirits. You can't use too much because it wouldn't freeze if you did. But I wonder, you know, because kids are getting into their parents' marijuana edibles, I wonder if, you know, they might get a hold of these pop tails too by mistake. 
you definitely have to make sure that your kids understand, you know, that these ones are not for you. But I guess that's why you go to the, uh, I don't know if there's a, how much like take home selection is like if you go to the store, right, mm-hmm. you're going to buy one for your kid and one for you. Or maybe you just go with your friends and not bring the kids at all. That sounds way better. <laughs> I like your, your soccer spectator idea. Good way to take the edge off. That's it for the Tuesday episode of Today in Ohio. Thanks, Lisa, Layla, and Laura. Thanks, everybody who listens to this podcast. And thanks for all the comments with regard to issue one. 